We're glad you're here this uh, this morning to worship the Lord and study His Word. And I invite you, if you have your Bible, to go ahead and be opening it to the book of First uh, First uh, Timothy. You know, there's something else about it being the end of July, the 1st of August. Not only is school getting ready to start, but think about this. It means that half of 2015 is already over. Now, that'll get your attention, won't it? Half of the year is already passed. And, they, and so I started thinking about some of those things in December and January I said I wanted to do this year. You know, those goals, those resolutions, that kind of thing. And one of mine that I shared with you in January was that I wanted to lose another 20 pounds this year. Well, I haven't done it. I've maintained I haven't gained, but I haven't lost. How many of you had a goal, a resolution, something you wanted to do this year, and you, you just haven't quite gotten it done? Anybody? Am I the only one? Uh, it's happened to a lot of us. In fact, this week we had our vacation Bible school zapped, and one evening I saw a lady who goes to church here, and she's lost some weight, and I complimented her, asked her how much she had lost, and, and she told me it was, it was 20, 30 pounds, I forget exactly, but she'd lost a lot of weight and looked really, really good, and she said, I'm following your example, Pastor. And I thought, man, I'm really glad you're following my example from two or three years ago when I lost weight, not this year when I you know, haven't quite reached my goal. Now, um, January, a lot of people sign up after making New Year's resolution to go to the gym, work out, get in shape, lose weight. In fact, uh, most gymnasiums uh, make a lot of money because of that because a lot of people sign up but don't follow through after a few weeks. They're no longer there. Gyms make most of their money from two groups of people. Do you know who they are? Absentee members, those who pay the dues but never come, and then the the, the overusers, the the big users, those who are there all the time and they pay for the extra stuff like the, the classes and the trainers, the super users. That's where gymnasiums make their money, the absentee members and the super users. And I want, I want you to think about something. I want you to answer a question. When it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ, which of those are you more like? Are you a super user? I mean, you're working out, you're in shape, you're doing great, you're growing, being transformed, super user spiritually, or are you an absentee member? Just not putting forth much effort, not thriving, not growing. That's what we're talking about this month as we study the first chapter of 1 Timothy is what are some things you and I can do to, to be a super user, if you will, a, a thriver in our relationship with the Lord? And we've already said there are two keys to thriving spiritually. One of those is to maintain a strong connection to Jesus Christ. Never get over the fact that you're saved because of a relationship with Jesus. And it's that intimacy, that connection with Christ that is critical to your spiritual health. So maintain a close connection to Jesus. Then we spent the last two Sundays talking about the importance of Bible study. Not just any Bible study, but the right kind of Bible study because the right kind of Bible study will transform us, will change us, and will become more godly, more loving as God defines those terms. And we talked about some of the wrong kinds or bad kinds of Bible study, but the right kind changes us, makes us a different person, more like Christ. Well, today, in the last sermon in this series, I want to talk about a third key to thriving spiritually. And here's the truth I want, to take, I want you to take away from today. This is the key. Owning who you are in Christ. Owning your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is who I am. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And by disciple, I don't mean someone who's just taking Bible study classes, etc. You are a student of Christ a committed follower of Christ, and you are becoming more like him because you hang out with him, because you are connected to him and being taught by him and transformed 
by him. And so when you own that and you say, this is who I am, I'm not ashamed of it. You own that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It has a major impact on your life because it will impact how you see yourself and how you approach living, how you approach making decisions. Let me help you understand what I mean by owning it, by talking about sports for just a minute. I mentioned Bible school. Had themes each night. One of the themes this week was um, your favorite team. So one night, here's all these boys and girls and workers showing up wearing their, you know, the colors, the, the, the T-shirts and stuff of their favorite team. You know, the Carolina Panthers, the South Carolina Gamecocks, the Clemson Tigers, and uh, a lot of other teams. And one of the things I've noticed about those of us who like sports we're not ashamed for you to know this is who we follow. I mean, we wear it proudly. I mean, if you're a tiger, you've got that orange stuff. If you're a gamecock, you've got that garnet stuff. If you're like me, a Kentucky guy, you've got all that blue stuff. And, I mean, if you go out and, and look at the, the license plate on the back of my car, it is my official license plate on my Buick. It's KY Cats. I mean, I'm not ashamed of it. I wear I've got on a U.K., uh, necktie this morning. I went to my closet and 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 y'all, you're not surprised I have Kentucky neckties, are you? But I have several. This is just the one I pulled out for today. We were in Monisa and I were in Kentucky last week, and I bought me three more UK t-shirts, long sleeve, short sleeve. So I'm ready for the game, no matter the weather. I'm prepared. I'm prepped. Okay. You come to my house. We got a Kentucky room. Got a Kentucky Christmas tree. Stays up 12 months out of the year. That's what we sports people are like. Okay. We're fanatics. We wear it. We're pre- we own it. Right. Now, for those of you who don't like sports, I, I feel sorry for you. You just don't know what that's like. It's a lot of fun. But we own it. Sometimes, though, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't own it. It's like we put who we are in Jesus in a closet and you know, hide it. May bring it out a little bit on Sunday. So many places we go that we don't wear it. Listen, folks, I wear my UK stuff anywhere. First time, you, listen, this is the truth. 26 years ago, the first time I ever went to a Clemson football game, they weren't playing Kentucky. I just went some members of the church to go to a football game. I got the strangest looks walking around that, that football. Here I'm at, it's Clemson and Maryland, I think, okay? And I'm, I'm decked out in Kentucky blue. I guess they thought I was lost. I'm not a sh- but, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ, we get out there in the enemy territory where people don't, don't support what we support, don't look like us. And sometimes we cover it up, right? Well, here's the point. If you're going to thrive in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot do that. If you're, if you're going to thrive as a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you have to you know, have it emblazoned all over your life. This is who I am. I'm, I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm not talking about being rude. But I'm talking about this is me, okay? This is me. I own it. All the time and in all places, I own it. This is me, a follower of of Jesus Christ. That's one of the keys to thriving spiritually. And when you do that, 
it's going to show up in your life certain ways. And if the things I'm getting ready to talk about are not in your life, these things are not showing up in your life, it may indicate that on some level, to some extent, you're not owning all the time who you are as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because when you own that, these things are going to be there. And the first one is this. When you own that you're a follower of Christ, you, listen, you will stop saying, I cannot, I can't. And you'll find yourself starting to say, I will. Because there are so many of you in this room who've been telling yourself, I cannot be any different, do any different than what's happening right now. No, no, I just can't be that kind of Christian. It's just not possible for me to be that. Look at verse 12 in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's writing this letter to encourage Timothy as he's trying to fix problems in this church that was messed up by some bad teaching. And he, he, he encourages Timothy by sharing some of his own story. And so he said in verse 12, he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, into ministry. Now, think about that verse for just a moment. The word that in our English Bibles is translated as considered, it comes from a root word in the Greek language to bring forward, to bring along, to lead forward. And so in the New Testament, it ended up being used two ways. In the book of Hebrews, it's used in reference to a pastor as a leader. And so in Greek, the word was used for leaders. You would lead, bring along, you would rule, you would govern, etc. A second way the word was used in Greek language and in the New Testament was to esteem someone, to think of, think about someone, to regard another person in a certain way. For instance, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, with humility of mind, regard, there's that word, esteem, think about, regard one another as more important than yourself. So it's, it's to lead, to rule, to guide, but it's also to how you think about another one. So what is Paul saying when he writes here that, that Jesus Christ considered him faithful, trustworthy, strengthened him and put him into service, put him into ministry? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, when God looked at me, this is what God thought. This is how God thought about me. This is how he esteemed me. God looked at me and he said, Paul, you're capable of more. I see potential. I see what can be. And because of that, I'm going to lead you in that direction. And so Paul was called by Christ into ministry as a church planner, preacher, missionary. And God looks at every person in this room who's a disciple of Jesus Christ and he says, I see in you some things you do not see in yourself. I see what can be, what you can become. I see what I can do in you and through you as I strengthen you. See, a lot of times we look at ourselves and we don't see much. And so we say, I can't. I can't. Paul in verse 12 said, God considered me faithful, trustworthy, and he put me into service, into ministry. There is a sense in which the way God sees you impacts what God calls you 
to do. And God will never call you to do something that he does not already know you can't do. He knows you can do it. In fact, all of us, listen, everybody in this room and everyone watching on television, if you're a follower of Christ, God has called you not only to salvation, not only to a relationship with Christ, but he has called you, each and every one of us as Christians, he has called us to growth, to transformation. Every person in this room and watching my television who's a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you to godliness, to holiness. Everyone in this room watching on television who's a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you to serve. Everyone in this room watching on television who's a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you to evangelism, to witnessing. The problem is too many times we say of ourselves, no, I can't. I cannot grow. I cannot understand the Bible. I cannot change. I cannot be transformed. I can't become more like Christ. Too many times we say, I can't overcome that sin. I can't stop doing that. I can't be any different. I can't be godly. Too many times we say to ourselves, I can't serve me. I can't witness. I can't be an evangelist, if you will. When what we need to start saying is in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Christ, God can strengthen me such that I can do those things. I can be those things. And until we start saying I will, we won't. I'll promise you one thing. Every time you say I can't, guess what? (laughs) You don't. (laughs) But when you're connected to Christ and you're in his word and being transformed by it because as Jesus taught in the book of John, he's the vine and we're the branches and if we abide in him, Incredible things are possible. You can do everything God's calling you to do if you're connected to Christ and you own that relationship, own who you are in Jesus. That's why Paul in verse 12 said, He strengthened me and put me into that service. And literally it means to put strength into Him. See, what we do is we look in the mirror, we look in the past and we see what we've been and what we've done. We see our mistakes and we see our failures and, and we say, that's it, that's, that's all I'll ever be and I can't. But look at what Paul said about himself, his own story in verse 13. He said, God looked at me, considered me, thought of me this way, strengthened me, put me into ministry, verse 13, even though I was formerly in my past a blasphemer. I cursed the name Jesus, a persecutor of Christians, a violent aggressor. Paul said, I did a lot more than just laugh at Christians. I did a lot more than just, you know, put them down, make it a little bit tough on them at work. He said, I was mean. And I was violent. And I was a 
aggressive in my violence toward them. The book of Acts describes Paul's persecution of Christians this way in in chapter 8. He said, but Saul, that's his Hebrew name, so it's Paul, Saul, began ravaging the church. It's the picture of an animal that's tearing the flesh from another animal. He said he was ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. That's more than laughing at someone. Pretty aggressive. The Bible tells us in chapter 9 of Acts about Paul's persecution. It says, now Saul or Paul still breathing threats. It's the idea of this anger just blowing out of his nostrils. Breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went to the high priest, verse 2. And asked for letters for him from him to the synagogues of Damascus, another city north of Jerusalem, so that if he found any belonging to the way, to the Christian life, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That's Paul's story. That's his past. And he says in his own testimony in verse 13, even though all of that was true of me, God looked at me and saw something more. God looked at me and saw that I could be different. God looked at me and saw that I could be his servant, that I could be trustworthy, dependable, faithful, that I could. And as long as you allow the failures of your past to keep you saying, I can't, you never will. But you need to understand that if you are in Christ Jesus, as the Bible says, you are a new person, a new creature, a new creation. And because he strengthens you, you can. And you need to start saying, I will. And once you start saying, I will, things will be different. It's one of the keys to thriving in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So do you go around saying, I can't or I will? That on some level indicates whether or not you've really owned the fact that you are in Jesus. You are a follower of Christ. Jesus is in you. Because when you are connected to Jesus, you can't go on saying, I can't, I can't. You won't do it. You'll start saying, I will. And you'll be different. There's a second way owning who you are in Jesus shows up, and it's this. You'll begin having confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ and be a bold witness. Now, Paul had a very dramatic conversion experience. He moved from being a persecutor to a preacher, if you will. Look what he said in verse 14. Though at the end of verse 13, after saying he was a persecutor, he said, but yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. In verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I understand how big God's love really is. Because his love was big enough to love me even after all I had done to his name and to his people. Now, what what have you done that causes you to think God's love's not big enough to make you into a new person? Paul said God's love is huge and it transforms us, changes us. I love what he said in Romans 5, 20. 
when he said, we'll, we'll look at that. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. We looked at that last Sunday, that the purpose of the Old Testament law for sinners was to make known what is sin, reveals what is sin. And so the more people know Scripture and the more they know what is right and wrong, well, there's more sin, more awareness of it. But he said the bigger the sin, the more sin you stack, one on top of the other, okay, just pile it on, one on top, the bigger the stack, the bigger the pile of sin, God's love, God's grace is even bigger, even taller. Paul said, I know that theologically, and he says, I've experienced that in my own life because God looked at me and all I had done to him and his people, and he loved me and he forgave me, and he would say to us today, if God can forgive me, he can forgive you. And if God can forgive someone like Paul, who in this world can he not forgive? Who in this world can he not change? Who in this world could not be transformed if they would believe in the gospel and commit themselves to Christ? Look at verse 15. Paul said, this is the truth. This is a trustworthy statement. Deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? Save sinners, of whom I'm chief. I'm the worst. He said, I understand the purpose of Jesus. I understand the reason Jesus came to this world. And it was to die on that cross so people could be saved. I, he, Jesus, Jesus came to save sinners. He's able to love sinners, to forgive sinners, to change sinners, to save sinners. And what sinners is he talking about? Well, Paul, people like Paul. But the ones we looked at last week in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1. The lawless and rebellious, the ungodly and sinners, the unholy and profane, those who kill their fathers or mothers murderers, verse 10, immoral men, homosexuals, kidnappers or slave traders, liars, perjurers. Jesus came to save them. Jesus came to save people who live like that. Jesus came to save people who live like Paul. Jesus came to save sinners. And if the, listen, if the grace of God, the power of God in the gospel of Jesus can change someone like the people in those verses and like the Apostle Paul, why are you sitting here saying God's love and God's power loose in your life cannot change you? See, as long as you're saying I can't and therefore you won't, you, you don't have much confidence in the gospel of Jesus. And you're not going to talk about it much because you're not experiencing much. But when you are connected to Christ and His Word is changing you and transforming you and you own your identity as a follower of Christ, all of a sudden things start happening in your life and you begin to realize that, hey, God is making you into somebody different than you used to be. Now, maybe your conversion is not as radical as the Apostle Paul's. Maybe your conversion is not as radical as somebody who was a slave trader like, you know, the writer of Amazing Grace. Or maybe your conversion won't be as radical as somebody who was a homosexual and now they're a follower of Christ and living differently. But your conversion is still real. And what God is doing in your life to grow you and change you and make you someone new is real. And if you're experiencing that transforming power of Christ, you know it and you have confidence in the gospel and you're willing to talk about it because you own it it's you it's your experience it's your experience Paul said in verse 16 I found mercy I found mercy 
He goes on to say, so that Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul said, I am an example of the forbearance, the patience of God. God putting off his wrath long enough for me to believe. I'm an example of what the gospel of God can do for someone. And then he takes it a step further back up in verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So listen to what Paul is saying. He said, God looked at me and he saw more than I saw. And because of that, he called me to a different life. And I responded to that different to that call and God made me a different person. I experienced the mercy of God and no longer a persecutor, now a preacher, transformed. I know the gospel. I know, Paul says, the power of God's love because I've encountered it in my own life. But he said there's more than that. God took that gospel, this good news of Jesus and what he can do in someone's life, and he trusted that gospel to me in verse 11. It's like he made a, de- a bank deposit, if you will, in, in, in Paul's life. He said, Paul, I'm entrusting you, depositing in you the gospel. I have faith, confidence. I trust you with it. And that's the same thing he does with each of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. In the first chapter of the book of Acts, after Jesus was resurrected, just before he went back to the Father, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. See, that power of the Spirit, we own it and we witness. If, if we're not owning it and we're not confident in the gospel and we're not talking about the gospel and we're not witnessing, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We can, we can be religious and we can be a church person and, and we can be in Bible study and we can know a lot of doctrine and we can this and we can that. But if our lives, how we live, are not preaching the gospel, we're not an example of the gospel, and then with our words we're not talking about it, witnessing it, we're not filled with the Spirit of God, no matter how religious we are. When you own it, it shows up. And so let me ask you, who have you, what's, what's, the, what's the name of the person you've witnessed to in 2015? That ought to tell you something. But i got to move on real quickly. There's another way it shows up. When you own your identity as a follower of Christ, you're going to fight to win in this spiritual life and you're never going to quit. You're never going to give up. What happens in, a, you know, in, in, in sports if a player or a team says, oh, we can't win? They don't. <laughs> well, what happens in a marriage if a husband and wife neglect the relationship? They lose. What happens if a student is lazy and doesn't want to study and do their homework. Well, you know what happens. 
What happens when, when you, you approach your relationship with Jesus Christ, you're following Jesus, your spiritual life, with a lackadaisical attitude, a come-what-may attitude, a just, I'll, I'll just show up and whatever happens, happens. Notice what Paul said to Timothy after his own testimony. He said, now, Timothy, I want to tell you something. Verse 18, he said, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, what people have said about you and your potential. Because, Timothy, people see all kinds of potential in you that by them you fight the good fight. You keep the faith and a good conscience. What's, what's your attitude? I'm going to say something for a minute. I, I, didn't, I didn't do this in the first service. I want to do it in this service. I, I want to say something to the young adults in the room. I want, I want to say something to the students, those of you going off to college, to the singles. I want, I want to say something to you. I want, I want to ask you a question. Why, why do you think I preach on Sundays? My job, yeah. But why do you think I get up here every week? And I, I could do like some and give you a little 20-minute talk and go home and rest. I don't do that. Why? Why do I preach every Sunday? God, God's call in my life, His will? Yeah. Foundational. That, that's, that's why. But there's another reason. And it's there in verse 18. Because here's Paul talking to Timothy, this younger guy that he's mentoring in ministry. And he says, Timothy, I, I want to command you to do what I'm entrusting you to you. He said, Timothy, I've entrusted you with stuff. Paul had invested in Timothy. He mentored him. He, he taught him. He'd invested in him. He said, Timothy, I'm, I'm trusting you with what I've invested in you because I have confidence in you. I, I see in you what you don't even see in yourself, just like God saw in me what I didn't see in myself. And Timothy, Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to fight and I want you to, I want you to keep the fight. I don't want you to ever quit. I don't want you to give up. I want you to win. My own story, I was, I was not a wild sinner, okay? So I don't have the testimony of somebody who was a drunk on drugs and all that stuff, you know, and got, that's not my story. As, as you know, I grew up in a family that didn't go to church. I was in high school before I ever went to church. But having said that, I was, I was ignorant of the Bible, didn't know much about it, didn't know much about Jesus, but I wasn't wild. I was just a kid growing up on the farm. Not going to church, not knowing Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something I've never told in a sermon. Okay? And I've been preaching over 40 years. And I've never shared this. Now, I have told you that I was shy. Okay? But when I was a kid, not knowing Jesus, I was, I had a crippling shyness. And I know some of you think, no. But, yeah, I did. I really did. When I was in first grade, I was, I was so shy, so, so bashful, I could never talk in class, never raise my hand and ask the teacher anything. And so when I was in first grade, being that painfully shy, I, I can remember sitting in that classroom and too, too shy to raise my hand and ask the teacher if I could go to the bathroom. 
And I can remember as a little six-year-old first grader wetting on myself in class more than once and being very, very embarrassed, but not embarrassed enough that I overcame my shyness. But you see, that day I'm sitting in that class as a little six-year-old boy, too bashful to even ask the teacher if I can go to the bathroom. God saw in me what I at that moment did not see in myself. And God sees, teenagers, God sees in you things that you don't believe about yourself. Those of you going off to college, where you're going to be in an environment where you know, people are going to make it challenging for you to own who you are as a follower of Christ, God sees in you what you don't see in yourself. Young adults, same thing. You, why do I preach? God, God's call, absolutely. But you know why I preach? Because I believe that God can do that in your life. Because I, if I didn't have confidence in the gospel, if I didn't have confidence that God could do in your life what you don't think is possible, I wouldn't do this. Because it would be a waste of my time and your time. What's the reason you're not thriving? What are you telling yourself? What are you believing about yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ? Last point, I'm done. When you own your identity in Jesus, yeah, you'll fight to win. But lastly, you'll reject the influence and the disappointment of spiritual failures. In verses 18 and 19, when Paul says, Timothy, fight the good fight, keep the faith, a good conscience, he said, do that. Unlike some others who've rejected those things and suffered spiritual shipwreck, and then he mentions them in verse 20, Hymenaeus and Alexander. As a Christian, listen to me. You're going to have people in your life that you care about, that you love, your friends with, their relatives. And there's a season when they're going to church and they're living for Jesus and they're doing good. But you're going to have people in your life who are doing that. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, at some point, it just stops and everything changes with them. Right? We've all known people who used to go to church. We all, we've all known people who used to be so excited about Jesus. And we were, we were connected to them. They were important to us. But for some reason, they stopped. And that hurts. It's disappointing. And after a while, it can make us begin doubting and wondering about ourselves. And the first time I went to church as a high school student was because Evelyn invited me. Evelyn was on fire for Jesus. A few months after Evelyn invited me to church and I went and my life was changed, Evelyn stopped going to church. Stopped living for Jesus. And for many years... She didn't live for Christ. It was almost 20 years before she came back to Jesus. And so here, as a new Christian, you know, junior in high school and stuff, I'm praying for and witnessing to the the girl who's the very reason I'm a Christian and in church. You're going to have people who let you down, people who disappoint you. 
But your, but your, your passion as a disciple comes from your connection to Christ. That's why you have to maintain that because in this life, you're, you're going to have things that swirl around you and some of them are going to encourage you, but I, I'm promising you some of them are going to discourage you. So you've got to maintain that connection to Christ if you're going to thrive. Own it. Own it. And no matter what anybody else does, no matter the, the circumstances in which you find yourself, own who you are because you are not that person. You are who Jesus is making you to be. Own that. Be proud of that. Be happy in that. Don't live your life for everyone else. Live it for you, who you are in Christ. That's where strength comes from. Because when you own that, He strengthens you. And if you've been telling yourself, you can't. You can't make it as a Christian. You, you can't grow. You can't be godly you you can't this you can't if you uh plead with you stop talking to yourself like that and own who you are in christ and start saying because jesus is in me and i am in him and he strengthens me i can and therefore i will even if no one else does i Let's stand. Father, help each of us own who we are in you and not be ashamed of our identity as your follower. Amen.